0: When I was 16, I published that product. Got around 150,000 views. I actually had a Notion doc which I called "Gamifying Building an Agency." And 26 overdraft saved my life uh, a couple of times. <laughs> um, I basically saw them turn 5,000 euros into 30,000 or something.
1: What is up, everyone? I'm your host, Chris, and you're listening to Nonlinear, the podcast in which we unpack these strategies, hacks, and decisions high achieving young professionals using 2023 plus. To design careers they love. In this episode, I speak with my close friend, Nick Raziboski, who I got to know while we were running through Entrepreneurs first last Berlin cohort a couple of months ago. And Nick is an outstanding person to listen to for any one of you who's into personal development, the future of work, building tech skills as a non-techie person, building agencies, bootstrapping businesses, or now even playing the VC game. In this episode, Nick shares with us his entire journey, which started in his mediocre school career, where he even had to repeat one class and leave his original school, how he then reprogrammed himself also through understanding that tech is his passion and then leveling up, already having an own agency at 21, which was running super, super well. And now at 23, already making the move to SF. I'm ultra happy to have recorded this with Nick, although remote and very happy to share it with you. Please enjoy the episode. Nick, welcome! Amazing to have you on this podcast.
0: Thanks, Chris, for having me. Yeah, excited for this.
1: Nick, where are you calling from?
0: Um, I'm in San Francisco right now. I just um, took a bus uh, from Richmond to, to the WeWork. Um, I'm at the Two Embarcadero Center. One has a really nice view to look at the contrast. But yeah, um, yeah, just touched down here on uh, Tuesday. Tuesday night, um, already fought the jet lag. So yeah. Uh, the weather's been great. So kind of was like LA weather, like in the 25 Celsius, like 80s Fahrenheit. So yeah, really enjoyed it. Took a couple bike rides around here and like just to, to soak it in, right? It's still, still a bit surreal. Um, moving here and, uh, of course, like as you know, there's this, like a, this blocking thing of the 01, right? My visa, like, can I actually go live here? Right. Am I attaching to something now that might be, uh, that might slip out of my hands kind of like the little demon inside of your head yelling around but um yeah uh, so far it's been great to me and uh, yeah i really enjoyed my my first couple of days here
1: yeah yeah it's amazing um nick just for the for the audience also in what life phase are we catching you right now
0: uh it's it's probably like the biggest uh transition period of my life so far so like um since I was like a little kid, since I was like six, seven years old. Like I got, um, I got fascinated by like all of this American culture and like all of the, the great branding and the great people that, that build stuff here. Um, and uh, yeah, consume content in like English, uh, looked West always. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I basically, I applied to, uh, to universities here. I applied to Stanford back then to, to MIT, like totally out of the blue. (laughs) Um, studied for the SAT on my own and and did all of this stuff and always wanted to go here. Um, but I knew that it's going to be hard and I need to wait for the right, um, moment in time. And yeah, I feel like now that time has finally come, like all of the, um, all of the work is sort of paying off. I mean, this is, it feels like achieving a goal, but in reality, you're just like starting fresh now. So like, I feel like now I'm, only going to be in the actual game now, but, um, yeah, uh, I, as you, as you might know, like, I've been unbelievably grateful that I can, like, finally, uh, reasonably move over here and, like, uh, fingers crossed that everything, uh, goes well, but, yeah, this is, like, a very, very interesting time We're speaking now on, like, day three of me being, uh, in SF and so, like, yeah, I've been, I've been here in the beginning of the year for two weeks, caught, like, was caught right in the flood, so, um, uh, I had, like, two people I knew here before, like, one from the YC co-founder matching platform and uh, one that was, like, a very distant acquaintance. And I thought, like, wow, maybe I can at least see, like, this one guy, Bernardo. Um building, like, a, 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 an employee um, compensation SaaS. Really cool guy. Um, anyway, so th- thought I could meet him. He was on vacation, and so I arrived here. On the 10th of january like fired up and i i come like straight into the biggest flood ever in san francisco like one of the bigger ones and yeah um but yeah now now it's been much better (laughs) so i mean
1: that's the that's the real bottom-up view of what's happening now right so straight from your brain and perception maybe to get a take a couple of steps back or give an intro to you so you're i think Mm -hmm. you're still 23 right when's your birthday by the way
0: yeah, correct. Uh, November 6th. So um, ah. um, yeah, in two weeks now.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you're like one of the most impressive people I know and one of the most formative people for me in my last year. Maybe probably even the most formative person. Uh, shout out to Entrepreneur First Year. Awesome. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the Because <laughs> they intro us. us. Um, and... So you're, you basically have this entire, you're you're only 23 again, like many people who will listen to this are probably like in their late twenties, mid twenties, late twenties or older. So you're 23 again, you're a self-taught software engineer. You've basically, you've, you've gone to uni, but you basically quit university in like your fourth, fifth, sixth semester or something. You've had a company which generated significant revenue already when you were 21 and you, your mindset and your mind world is entirely different from the educational or, or my world, right? Which is basically my, my mind is formed by the educational system of our German, Parisian, and then also the or French, and then also the American world. And so I'm just saying this because you're, you're in a totally different reality and you have a totally different story and I think we can go as back as you'd like, and just start out.
0: So yeah, I, I think I've always been a bit um, uh, resistant to following instructions, and like I always wanted to figure stuff out on my own. Like that started with uh, fucking uh, Lego, right? Lego sets. Like I always wanted to uh, not follow the instructions and I'd, like build it on my own. And then yeah, I have um, my teachers. Uh, i wasn't i wasn't necessarily a favorite, so like i think I also have like a bit of a d h d like i'm I'm coping with it pretty well but during school it was um yeah i draw a bit too much uh attention and uh, yeah so like i would say my school years weren't like the most happy go lucky and uh yeah the, i i've basically always been like on the uh, what do you, what do you call it basically not, not a teacher's favorite right Anyways, so, um, yeah, school years, um, my parents motivated me with, like, buying Lego toys and stuff. And so I got through elementary school, um, then went to, to like, a, a gifted student's class, um, which my dad signed me up for. And uh, there I spent, like, four years. But I've always been a bit of the outcast because, like, everybody there was, like, very smart but also, like, very diligent and, like, coming from also, like, mostly an academic background. so my parents, they, um, they never went to any like higher education. I think I'm the first one in my family to actually go to the German gymnasium. So, um, that, that was new basically for them and yeah, I I struggled there a bit. So like, yeah, school was a lot of struggling, um, dropped, like I I actually had to repeat a year because my bads were so great. I failed in in Latin (laughs) and then, um, I, I repeated the year on a different school, um, and then also, uh also failed there so like yeah i would say up until age 14 15 um it looked like i really wasn't on a good track um and there was some yeah there was like massive doubt i was thinking or like my parents were thinking like hey should this guy just get like an apprenticeship just like we did right and maybe were we wrong in in the initial um things we thought and then something happened like i don't know what happened maybe puberty or something hit or i don't know and like a switch turned in my brain and I was like, okay, um, you can either like resist the system or you can just like, uh, swim or swim along in it, right? And so, um, yeah, I just started showing up again. Like I didn't skip two days out of seven, uh, in, in school, uh, which my little brother is doing right now. <laughs> so mm. he's running the exact same strategy as I am, um, which I'm advising, uh, against <laughs> but yeah, he, he still needs to figure out on his own. Um, Dude, it's so funny it, it's been so bad that i even had to go to a doctor to get like um to get a, a full screening like a, uh uh because like i was i was pretending so hard to like not go to school um anyway oh, wow. so kind of kind of had a turnaround there and then um yeah i was at the second tier so i actually dropped from the higher education gymnasium to the second one real Schule. And uh was like, okay, fuck, I need to get out of here. I need to, like, get my life together again and not to say anything bad about the people doing that. Um, and then I I basically had to learn French. Like, the other schools, they had, like, three, four years of French. And um, I had to learn all of that within, like, nine months or something or, like, six months. Um, and then, like, to go back to the gymnasium without having to redo a year, basically you have to have like a grade of 1.3, um, in, in like your, your entire grade. So like, that seemed like really impossible. I was like, fuck you. I'm just going to try it. Right. I pulled up this legislation from like the Bavarian ministry side. Like, I don't, I don't even know how I found it. I I don't know. I went to my principal was like, I want to do this. Right. And so I feel like those were like early signs that I was just going to find like whatever loophole and like, just, just go try to do that kind of stuff. Did it uh, watched like a shit ton of French movies? Played Assassin's Creed in French and did all of that stuff. Played and what then in French? Made my way. What did you play in French? Uh, Assassin's Creed. Assassin's ah, Creed. There was like yo. a. There was yeah, I know there was a there was a yeah there was a French one I think Assassin's Creed Unity was French and I played that in French and that actually helped really well. So, anyways, um, went on to there. I know this is like the the long long version.
1: At what at what <laughs> yeah, point? On you, at-
0: yeah, and then. Um, yeah, I went to high school again, did really well in school. Um, what age are we talking about, had,
1: by the way? Like, how old were you then?
0: Um, So age 15, roughly. Age 15, 16. And then, yeah, uh, I started doing well again in school and, like, really uh, pushed a lot. And I was on this upward trajectory, right, on this serendipitous spiral going up. And we talk about this a lot, like you and me, about, like, negative and positive feedback loops. And I feel like I was in a very positive feedback loop. I was... Working out four times a week. I was eating so clean like I've never done in my life. Maybe now, but yeah. Um, just like no sweets, only protein shakes. And like really started um, seizing life in a way, right? And that felt really good. Um, uh, meditated a lot back then. So I was a very, um I would say a very wise 16-year-old or <laughs> 17-year-old. And uh, yeah, I, I was so excited and on fire that I was like, dude, I'm just gonna try applying for these American universities. I'm just gonna apply to Stanford, apply to MIT. It's like a very long process. You have to write like pages and pages of applications. I had to do SAT tests, had to drive to Munich for like special tests. I had to study on, on my own for them and stuff. Um and did all of that. Unfortunately didn't get in. They take uh, very little um international students there um because I applied for the stipend. Um, anyways, how high but, did yeah. you
1: score? How did you score? Uh,
0: 1440, uh, 1440. So that's like, I think it's like, it's a pretty good score. But, um, if you want to get into Caltech or, or fucking, uh, MIT or something, you need like 1590. So I was like 98th percentile, but you have to be like top, 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 uh, 0.01, right? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very glad I tried. I'm very glad I tried. And I even had interviews with, uh, some Stanford people. So that was really interesting. And it kind of also made me want it even more because I felt like, okay, like I, I was in the process already. So it wasn't like completely out of reach. Like some things you maybe just like never try. And then you think like, Oh, okay. That's not my path anyways. So that also like just strengthened the seed of like, Hey, I want to go here. Right. Um, and yeah, I then moved to Munich. Um, to to study so did like my a-levels um also did pretty well in them um and uh studied electrical engineering then in munich and uh yeah by that time maybe to give more context um by that time i've uh i've been coding for like four years now so like i started at the age of 14 um started um out of out of a curiosity for hacking so like i had this one friend who shared uh who shared like a Uh, basically a toolkit to um, like remote control your friend's computer, right? And that like to a 14-year-old gamer, um, I was a really chubby gamer back then, um, that that was like super, uh, super exciting. And so like I I crashed their games a lot. Then I noticed like, okay, this is getting picked up by the antivirus software. So I I basically copy-pasted together my own like little Frankenstein uh, software and just like my, my first programming attempt was literally just like Changing, like deleting the name of the author on the program and like writing my name there. It's like, yeah, this is mm. mine now. I'm such i I'm such a hacker. <laughs> so that's what you call a script kitty. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you, you heard of the, the term. No. And uh, yeah, 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 it's what you call script kitties. Anyway, so got into coding and then like played around with that kind of stuff for the first one or two years and then also got into hardware and like electronics. So like I... I bought a soldering iron and like all of this uh, hardware stuff and I built like a little mini Game Boy um, and, and like a little arpeggiator, if you know that, it's like a music device. I built all kinds of stuff. Anyways, and uh, got into coding more and, and did it more for coding itself. So like I, by then I was like hooked by the age of 16, 17, and so what allowed me to go to Munich basically, and that's what I'm connecting again um was that maybe a
1: quick quick question here like so when we now we basically have two stories so story number one is like how you grew up and then how your academic career went and then story number two is when you started coding like what was the inflection point by the way in your academic career and the hacking career like did you start once you were on your super low or did you start once you were up spiraling again or when did you
0: uh so the stories are going to interweave from now on, as you will find out. Like I haven't had like a very straight academic career, um, but I think I started while I was still not doing that great in school. So it wasn't like a revelation and then I started coding. But I feel like the coding like, the fascination that I had with coding and uh, I would say like the more dopaminergically beneficial Activity of coding and like building something and doing something hard, and like, um, I feel like that also helped reset like my dopamine balance in a way and like my motivation levels from I'm gaming 14 hours per day to I can do hard work now, right? So, I feel like this is sort of maybe related, right? But I, I started doing it just for the outcome, and um, so yeah, I started coding for the outcome if somebody would have just sent me the final thing I maybe would have never started it but because it wasn't out there I had to figure out how to get it right and that was my motivation to, how to get learn what? like to, to, to get like that undetected um, thing I could uh, fuck with my friends computers with like yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. but anyways um, yeah uh, and then that was motivation enough to start to start uh, learning coding and then after like a while I even had a break. Like I, I started with C sharp, which is like a bit of an easier programming language. Um, and then I noticed I had to do C plus plus if I wanted to make it like really good and really undetected. And that is really like not the, the most ideal thing to like self learn. It's like, um, it's, it's like orders of magnitude more frustration than if you were like building something in Python right now in 2023 or like anything in 2023. So, like, um, it, it was really horrible. Like, a lot of things would go wrong. It was super frustrating. And I feel like this experience of, like, getting hardened um, was also maybe beneficial, right? Uh, and I even dropped it for half a year. So, like, I stopped coding for half a year or, like, even longer and said, like, fuck it. I'm not going to do this. This is, like, so mind-numbingly, like, annoying. Um, but, yeah, anyways, got back to it. And then uh, I would say, like, by the age of 16, 17, like, I really started um, picking it up more yeah so what i was doing basically i was building all of this stuff on my own right and then i, I basically built this sophisticated piece of, of software where you could remote control another pc and uh, this is like technically and this thing is malware. very dear to you yeah. right
1: like you should have released it isn't there like team viewer or something isn't there this german company even which is ultra big like which is exactly doing this and offering this as a legal thing though as a support remote support yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And the thing is like, I I actually did, I actually did release it. So the story was I built it for myself and then I had it lie around. And then um, like one day I just uh, woke up from a, from a night of partying and I was bored and I felt like, okay, what am I going to do on my Sunday? And I always use my Sundays pretty productively. So I was working a lot and I felt like, Hey, this piece is just, like, this thing is just lying around. Why don't I just open source it? Right. And so like the, this is also like a pretty pivotal thing, basically in the career in my career, which basically started my career. The decision to say like, "Hey, I'm just gonna share the source code, like the blueprint of like how I built this," and uh, which was a novel thing at that time. So there were no types of the software in C like open sourced in the way that I had it right. And so like when I was 16 years old or something, I published that product or even when I was 15 or something, 2015, 2016. Um, and I, I recorded, like, two YouTube videos about it, posted it on Reddit, and, like, did all of this promotion, basically. And, uh, yeah, that project really took off, like, to date. Like, it got around 150,000 views by by people, and it's, like, a niche thing, and, like, has 650 stars on GitHub, like, a lot of downloads. There was even, like, five people that contributed to it, so they were, like, other people that were, like, contributing code to it and I was reviewing it and uh yeah that was really cool anyways but that that basically kicked off my career so might have been like the most important decision
1: (laughs) man it's crazy Um, just to to quickly go in there um this episode one let's call it episode one of Nonlinear, the first around 10 episodes or something now uh, episode number one actually started with Ariel you know ariel at least from my tellings right and ariel also told us that like his entire like like he just now raised a couple of millions again right the series a or proper seed i think before the after this angel round and he also says that his entire journey like kicked off three years ago of course like way way later than your coding journey but it kicked off with like releasing content and like releasing his thoughts to the to the thing so i like, this common thread is literally, like, you cannot not see it in all of these conversations.
0: Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think, like, looking back now, I think the the more, yeah, the most pivotal moments were, like, when you made a bold decision to, like, release something or to, like, go outside of what you're, I mean, it's classic, right? You go outside of your comfort zone. And it, like, you also go outside of, the people you know, like you apply for something new, right? So like EF, for example, is also something where you're like, okay, like I'm just gonna go quit everything and like uh, go out there. And it's like also a bold, bolder thing, right? And for me back then, doing a bold thing was meaning, um, Hey, I'm going to put myself out there for the very first time. I'm going to record myself like in a YouTube video and like tell people about this thing. Um, and I actually haven't done a lot of that, um, for, for a long time. Um, so. Yeah, this is actually something where, where I think, yeah, I, I should, I, I could, should release more. Of course, like it's a time, the time thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of these thoughts, um, in the beginning of this year, basically. Um, but yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna come
1: to that part. So. Beginning of this year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, now you're running yeah. a different script in terms of strategy. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, totally. um, Hey, I didn't want to interrupt you there. Still I did. Where were we? You released the code. Got yeah. one hundred fifty thousand impressions on it.
0: Yeah, today. So like, not back then. It was uh, a little like less. It grew over time. Um, so through this first project, my first um, my first employer basically found me, and uh, during my during my A levels um, or like right about my A levels, he he kicked off the contract like right when I was in the hot phase of like preparing for for my A levels um i did my first uh paid work and uh yeah it it was uh it was really crazy because like i i think i something inside of me prompted me to to negotiate pretty well there um i even got paid before i ever did any work so like I, i i would say like maybe i learned it from my dad or something my dad is uh has been in sales like all his life and i i I never like did classic sales like in a way of like focusing on sales and i'm also like a in between like being an introvert and an extrovert like i can switch a bit but anyways i I think like something inside of me like some sales uh, motion kicked off and i negotiated that i get paid to review his code so like i was supposed to continue uh, a project um with like a bigger code base for my first client and I told him like, hey, how do I know you're legit? I'm gonna spend all of this time like looking at your shit, and then you're, then you, you might even say like, hey, you're not on the job. And I told him like, yeah, just um, I don't know, uh, wire me money so I so I can even look at it. And I got like my first, I think a thousand five hundred euros or something, just uh, looking at this code. And I was like, wow, okay, this is actually legit. Um, and of course like I discovered fire then, right? I I had like a. Very good like proportional hourly rate so like i think over the whole project um like six weeks i had like a if you if you uh, calculate it through i had an hourly rate of like 100 or something um which was like the very first money i ever made i think besides like selling something when i was in kindergarten and so that of course got me hooked <laughs> and was like okay um i can actually make a career out of this right um But back then I was still, um, in the paradigm of thinking, okay, you need to have formal education. You ought to have formal education. And so I never thought like that I, that I should just go straight into this. Right. So I believe back then I I saw the opportunity of like, Hey, I could just start an agency here or like just freelance and like continue to make money. But I, yeah, I'm like a very curious person. So I also wanted to be. In the sciences in a way right and so yeah that led me to
1: okay nice so you're like basically 18 19 you discovered fire you um almost drive around in a lamborghini i assume and then
0: mentally yeah i was actually like i was actually configuring cars (laughs) yeah um really (laughs) yeah (laughs) not not a lamborghini um but but i think what what i liked at the time was the I think a BMW, Cabrio or something. Uh, and I already thought of like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I moved to Munich to like go drive the um, that distance with, with that new car and like impress my by a then girlfriend. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so I discovered fire when I was like 17 and then could actually move to Munich um, because of that. And so I became independent like at a very young age. So like parents weren't doing like that amazingly well. So I paid my flat and stuff uh, on my own. Uh, and uh, moving to Munich, it was, of course, expensive turf. I paid like 1,040 euros per month for 30 square meters, which is pretty mm. pretty hefty. <laughs> wow. like, um, but yeah, it was a cool flat. Um, and I had a great time in Munich. Um, studied electrical engineering and picked that because I didn't just want to do regular um, computer science because um, especially in Germany, commu- computer science is less applied and it's like more hey, learn about this, like, computer architecture. And it was like, yeah, um, I know all of the stuff I want to know. <laughs> I'm only going to learn the boring stuff, so, like, I'm not going to do that. And so, yeah, I picked electrical engineering also um, out of, like, the wanting, like, to do something difficult and regretted it pretty quickly. <laughs> when I just started university, I, I kicked off my first real startup project. So, that was, like, in 2018, late 2018. Um... I, I got together with a friend from my hometown, uh, Toby Heller is his name. Um, and, uh, we got introduced by a mutual friend and he came to me with a bit of a dumber idea, like, but we thought at the time, it's cool. We wanted to build like a, a an app where you could battle yourself in who drinks the most water. Totally, totally fucking stupid. Um, and, and I, but I also thought like, Oh, it's a cool idea. And, um, I started working on that, uh, that of course didn't go anywhere. Um, but we kind of noticed like, Hey, this might be a cool fit to work together. And then Toby at that time was, um, into weekly planning a lot and, and like productivity. And I wasn't back then. So, uh, he introduced me to all of that. And, uh, yeah, he was working on, uh, on a physical weekly planner. And so we thought like, Hey how about we take this physical planning strategy and, uh, and and basically mold it into a product. And so there the idea for D-Plan was born, which was like my first SaaS um, company that we wanted to build. Um, and uh, we spent around like a half a year to nine months on that. Um, was like fledgling, very fledgling work, um, very ineffective <laughs> in what we did. But I I basically cut my teeth there a bit on like what what's actually required to build um to build a software there. We also pitched to a couple of bigger companies like Canta and like tried to, uh, try to like a build it for ourselves, but also b build it for corporate. So I feel like the the sense of like wanting to build something in B two B was was always there. I wasn't really into consumer that much, um, and yeah, pitched a couple of people, um. And, uh, basically earned money freelancing and then spent it on my startup ideas. Right. And that was like the theme for the past five years, I would say. So, um, any money I made basically went to, um, went to fueling or like funding my own, like scalable ideas or like trying to climb the entrepreneurial ladder. And that wasn't something that was like incepted into me. Like back then I had like a really, really weak network, I would say. So like for the first three years of my entrepreneurial career, I had very little resources, very little guidance, uh, but I just knew like, Hey, I want to build a startup. And I was, that's also like a trait that I'm, I'm glad I had. I was like, so overly naive in thinking that things will be so easy and I will make just easy money, obviously. Right. Raising money, um, and, and building a venture back. startup. It's like, uh, you, you'd have to be an idiot not to, not to try that. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, things took longer than expected. Um, and so I went through that project, still studying electrical engineering. And it's been kind of like a juggling balancing act. Cause I was balancing my time between studying, which was, it's basically a full-time job. If you do electrical engineering, freelancing, and then also building this new startup idea and actually spending money on it. So like we actually hired developers for this, um, which was kind of local. Um, and I had a really terrible, I think like first mid semester or something. Cause I was running out of cash. Um, my first employer didn't need any work anymore. And I was doing something so specific and niche that it wouldn't like translate easily. And like, I, I didn't get any referrals. So, uh, I, w- I basically had this expensive flat in Munich, um, had expenses for the company and, uh, I, I I basically dipped to zero with my bank account while I was in exam phase um and there's I had to legit borrow money there's, from.
1: there's like no second net right there's like no no one nothing really
0: Yeah back then back then like a little bit so back then my dad could lend me like a couple thousand euros but he was also like very like uh, there, there wasn't a lot of net <laughs> yeah. um so so if I, if it weren't for him like that would have maybe all, already been GG back then. Um, but yeah, I could, I could borrow like, I think 5,000 euros or something from him and then hustled my ass off to get contracts in. And that was basically my journey into e-commerce. So like, um, uh, Toby was at the time that we were running this D D plan. um, How did you get to know
1: this Toby dude, by the way?
0: Um, through a mutual friend. So mutual friend that went to the same school uh, and actually they organized raves in, in New, Nuremberg and I went to a rave of theirs when I was like 14 years old or 15 or something. And, and that, it, it was like very innocent, all very innocent. It was like out in, like open air raves. Um, and, uh, Tobi's also a very well behaved guy. So like not your Berlin party <laughs> maniac. And so yeah, we met through a mutual friend. His, uh, his name is Basti, Basti Bretting. Um, and, uh, yeah, he introduced us back then
1: got it okay just wanted this background and then you went on to your e journey exactly and that that kicked
0: off the e journey which was like 2019 roughly um so toby started after being in miami and being inspired there for half a year he was visiting his girlfriend um he started palm Suit, which is an e-commerce uh, brand still around today um yeah really really great at branding like toby is Toby's great at marketing branding um all these things and uh, he made some friends at Shopify meetups, I think, in Nuremberg, um, and that was his first entrepreneurial network. And I unfortunately was in Munich back then, but I still like at least sometimes um, talked with them. Like very rarely back then. Like looking back, I would have loved to like have an entrepreneurial network. I was like solo playing for the first like three years um, of doing anything entrepreneurial, basically. Um, so yeah, I, I luckily they needed some marketing integrations built. And so I basically started a freelancing journey in e-commerce and that was like the first somewhat sustainable client base, um, that I developed and, uh, yeah, it was like in the Shopify ecosystem a lot. And so that was basically up until last year, that was like my most reliable money-making engine besides like sometimes doing web design. Um, so, yeah, that, that was basically another freelance engine. And then looking at them, of course, in e-commerce, like I was still studying. And then I, um, yeah, it's actually like my, my it, it's not as easy to tell it linearly because like my whole journey has been a, through a lot of overlaps. So, I was basically phasing out of that first B2B so startup, plan, the productivity software. We decided to like cancel it, to like uh, stop doing it. Because Toby was also busy with his new e-com brand. And then I met a guy um, called uh, Darmus who, who, um, yeah, was at a creative agency. Total extrovert. If you saw him once in your life, like you will probably remember him for the rest of your life. Um, Super nice guy and like really lovable. And uh, we got introduced by a friend um, who's also a podcaster, Fabian Tausch, whom you know. And, uh, he introduced us back then cause Dharma's was looking for a co-founder. And so I felt like this was a good opportunity to learn from somebody more senior, also somebody who had different skills than I did, right? Like I was a programmer back then still like pretty introverted, uh, not a lot of network and Dharma's was like bling bling advertising agency and like, um, yeah, pitched me also really, really well on the, on the idea. And so I decided to work with him then. And, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the idea was basically building a LinkedIn for DJs. So Dharma's was a DJ um, back then, and uh, he yeah he pitched me on that, <laughs> and uh, I was a lot into like music, going out, and so I was like yeah this is cool. I never earned any money with it, and we did that all the way up to COVID. Um, so the hard stop for that was COVID because like event scene is dead, right? And then money making engine was was running somewhat. Uh, I noticed that studying is getting harder and like less and less important because I'm noticing all these entrepreneurial possibilities and yeah, having, uh, having worked for all these people in e-commerce, I basically saw them, I don't know, turn 5,000 euros of ad spend and, and, uh, goods, me- uh, um, merchandise into 30,000 or something. Right. And so, uh, for the first time I was thinking like, Hey, why? Also, like, why would I get paid a thousand euros to build their marketing funnel to um to have them make a hundred grand uh, per month, right? And that was also a naive view. So um I I thought, okay, building it as m- most engineers do, uh, building is the important part. But I noticed later, like, no, actually, all of the little fine tuning marketing stuff is the <laughs> important part, and the other stuff is just the execution. Anyways, let me. Let me to think like, hey, if these guys can do it, I can also do it. Um, and I wanted to build an e-commerce brand. So, um, totally different game. Totally different game. Haven't been in marketing before. I just sold myself a little bit maybe and looked at what they were doing. And I saved up around like 30 K, um, at that point. So I was like a very uh, rich <laughs> student back then Had a very good life. Um, and uh, I decided to YOLO it all into these baby carriers, right? So Did I, drive I spent. Did
1: you the or the BMW until then?
0: No, I, the BMW never came. Um, yeah. uh, fortunately because like having that as fixed cost would have been even more constraining. So, so I the only thing I ever spent on was like food, just like um, conveniences in a way. So like I was a big, uh, big on eating out, <laughs> not not cooking myself. Um, and uh, anyways, took my money into Kokosi, a, a baby carrier brand, and. This was something where uh i i brought on a designer uh whom dharmas connected me to actually two designers um one fashion designer and his uh her her boyfriend uh, like an architect and they helped me design this baby carrier because like we didn't just want to um create like we didn't just want to copy something we wanted to build something new there right and i felt like if i'm doing that i'm gonna have a more defensible product and uh I basically landed on the product category in e-commerce. It's like the thought process was like, okay, I want to do e-commerce. What's something that is more uh, unconventional, right? And so I was thinking, okay, uh, an industry that I'm not exposed to or like these young e-commerce um, uh, chat types, I don't know, uh, marketing bros um, is is babies basically, right? So baby carriers was like a, products like easy to ship all of these things. It was kind of like a spreadsheet, Excel, um, uh, company founded. Mm. right? and so, um, I went into that market, had to like source the fabrics it was like a nine month process of like putting it all together, getting it tested and stuff. Um, so I brought this product to market with the help of uh, Laura, um, uh, the, the designer and, and her boyfriend and, uh, oh, wow. Thought that would be the Goliath task, right? And now I can finally make money, pay myself a salary and like accelerate up, right? Um, and brought it to market and we sold profitably um, in the first couple of weeks, which was great. Um, and I thought, okay, I'll just turn up the ad spend and I make and money. How right? Old so you,
1: how old were you at that time?
0: 20. 20. 20. I think. Or 20. 19 years old or 20 or something. Yeah. Did
1: you already drop out?
0: Not yet. Not yet. So, I believe uh, just when I was about starting to sell the baby carriers in 2020, I decided to say, okay, fuck it. I'm not gonna, um, uh, university isn't for me anymore. And that was also like a somewhat big decision back then, because back then I didn't have a lot of entrepreneurial friends, right? So, all of the people in my circle were saying, "Me, are you are you out of your mind, right? <laughs> uh, what are you doing? Um, but I decided to go, um, to go do that. Um, and my, my bank account was like at an all-time low because I, I had all this money. I invested it all into the carriers. Um, I paid myself a salary. I, I didn't do any freelance contracts to focus, like one thing, fully focus on this thing for the first time. And then I thought, okay, now I can finally pay myself a salary now that this is selling. And then, um, comes a competitor, uh, that, uh, yeah, sent a cease and desist basically. So, um, yeah, we got sued, um, and I was like, okay, uh, what's this? Uh, I, I wasn't that panicked at first because I, uh, I knew like we were building something new, right? Um, and we, we were not infringing on anybody's trade dress in a way. And so I gave it to a friend of mine who's a lawyer and had this evaluated. He was also like, yeah, I'm very bullish. We can get this, um, we can get this over with dealt with, right? So I was annoyed at the fact that I had to do all this paperwork now, which was like a, a, a flashback from, uh, from, from, uh, creative writing in, in high school, right? So I had to write like a 20 page document to like preemptively not get sued by them and then once we got sued by them i had to write another like 25 page document lining out like everything of like why our thing is not copying them and why we are basically if you take the baby carrier market there's like a congregation here and we're like here right so like we actually innovated on something uh in in, like the strap system whatever um Laura, laura um did that right um so i was actually feeling super bullish to win this right and, um, yeah, the court hearing happened on March 17th, I think 2021. And my lawyer told me not to come myself. Cause like, you just get asked a bunch of questions and like, that's how, how, how these things go is what he said. And then he called me back and was like, yeah, finally sigh of relief. And I put a check mark behind this. Right. We're obviously going to win. And he calls me like, yeah, we might have to do like a deal with them. I was like, wait. What do you mean deal with them? What happened? And he told me that the judge did not have, or like 25 page document that you need to understand the case. Right. But he read the the full pamphlet of the other party because his assistant apparently didn't print it out. I was like, what do you mean the assistant didn't print it out? Like didn't, uh, doesn't the session get adjourned or like, and, and he told me like, no, um, the judge is going to take a look over Easter. So it was like Easter around that time. i judge just going to take a look over that time and then make a decision. I was like, what the fuck? Like my, my lawyer was in there without any arguments, um, or like without, without any reference points. And it was like a bunch of stuff going on. They like, they cut up my, my carrier. They cut it up and then like arranged it in a way to like, put it over there and say, like, look, this is congruent, right? This is the same shape. <laughs> what the fuck is this, right? Um, so I was beyond, uh, like, flabbergasted uh, in disbelief uh, of what happened and then called with my lawyer. I thought, like, hey, we're going to appeal, right? And he told me, that, yeah, like, yeah, the way this works is um, you basically have this first court process where you can appeal twice. Then you only go into the main process, which can take up to three years. So basically the, what I was faced with uh, was um potentially three years of legal trouble and like that company could easily handle it i couldn't right um or throwing in the towel and like that was a really tough tough medicine to swallow um because like i invested all of this time like one and a half years in this and all of this money and i just felt like this was so unjust and i was like so and so shaken and i thought of like going on the offense and like raising a kickstarter campaign um, like crying out to all the mommies like, "Hey, this guy like is doing bullshit, right?" He he even left like a negative review, which was fake and stuff. So Like all of this stuff, and then I thought, like, "Okay, Nick, um, you're 21 years old. You're not going to war for baby carriers," um, which I think was the wise decision. And so, yeah. Did you decide this on we,
1: your own, or did anyone help you in the decision?
0: Uh, it's tough. I talked a lot with my then roommate um nicholas um and also had some major disagreements because he always told me like dude just get a job what the fuck are you doing just get a job so he was um like well intentioned for me right but it didn't help as much um but yeah i i didn't have that much back then still like didn't have a close group of friends that were entrepreneurial like i did in berlin now like you you all you know all these people now that we out with in Berlin but yeah it was it was a pretty um tough time but I would say so like my bank account dipped from like zero to negative 10k because the court fees were also also like 10,000 euros and so I was in deep trouble and, and I, you're not studying I at this like,
1: point anymore right so there's literally no, no. safety net no education no, no money just you and your skills yeah. and mind
0: yeah yeah absolutely and so I had to borrow money again, and luckily my dad's girlfriend um, could could lend me like, I think it was 10,000 or something back then, or 8,000 euros, and N26 overdraft, shout out, um, saved my life a couple of times. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and I had to just get my shit together. Back then, yeah, back then I even had a working student, so I employed, I actually employed two people back then uh, like not for a lot of money but I but I had like two working students one of them I had to let go and then one stayed with me Marvin um which was like a friend from my uh from like all the way back kindergarten or something and uh yeah we decided okay we're now going to pivot fully to agency work um and I had to do a bunch of like very shitty jobs cuz I had to say yes to everything and uh that really also like burns into my mind like you really wanna um take these contracts and like do work from a position of abundance not from scarcity because like if you're doing it from scarcity and you have to take everything uh and you have to agree to like terms you wouldn't agree to then it's like getting really really annoying but um yeah I had a bunch of hard projects and then yeah I uh, I went to a mastermind met Nico back then by the way um, went to a mastermind just when this happened and thought I could tell anybody, everybody at the mastermind, like, Hey, I'm scaling this e-commerce brand. There were all e-commerce people there. And then I came to the mastermind saying like, yeah, I just got fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I don't have any, I don't have anything to talk about. Cause like everybody was like strategizing and just like generating value for each other. And I was sitting there, I was like, Hmm. And I had to. Do all these client meetings and stuff back then, but yeah. Anyways, first mastermind was um, was still um very very nice. Um, very, I met a lot of the friends.
1: Very very quickly. What's a mastermind, and how do you get? Yeah. Uh, so,
0: um, so masterminding comes from um, comes from Think and Grow Rich. Help me again. Napoleon Hill. His name is Napoleon Hill. Yeah, yeah. Um, so masterminding is you get four or five people or something together in a group. Um, and we're like a group of people and discuss ideas and like, try to collectively be smarter and solve each other, others problems. And what I'm referring to here as a mastermind is kind of like a workation slash mastermind, which means basically like a company offsite strategy session, but for entrepreneurs and you spar with each other. And it's like, some are more formal and have agendas. Um, some do not. right? Yeah. So, so Nico organized this, um, uh, which I was very grateful for. And I met a lot of the Berlin friends that then, um, yeah, I, I came to know and love, um, anyways, no point here. And the, I basically spent the next six months, uh, being lost in a way, uh, like being really lost in like what I'm going to do next. Cause I had all this ambition to build like a, a software company. Even the e-commerce business was, uh, was try basically laying the groundwork, building the capital, making an, like a small exit to later build software, right? This was just a means to an end. And I was like, okay, I'm now further away than I've ever been. And um, what, what really hurt was that I didn't have a thing to like pour my energy into. So the critical thing wasn't necessarily that I was broke or that I was like um, on paper, like all these bad things happened, but like I didn't have uh, a passion project, like, something I could pour my heart into, right? And that really fucked me, because, like, all I had to do was, like, shitty work for other people um, and there was, like, no vision for an agency. I knew this was just temporary and, like, I didn't accept that as much. Like, looking back, I might have just, uh, I maybe would have just um, told myself earlier, just try to um, find peace in running an agency for a year and then look what's next but yeah i was like frantically would you would scribbling. you tell
1: yourself this would you tell yourself to to stop go back and be in peace with the agency for 6 months 9 months 12 months
0: um probably would have been the more effective thing to do cuz like what i was doing back then was uh scribbling out frantically like basically falling asleep startup ideas and like being in the shower and like having all of these like brain foggy thoughts of like fuck what what unique insight can i just like force out right now to build a startup so just like cramped up cramped up six months so um i i think i'm glad i didn't just end up running an agency uh in the classic sense but saying to myself like hey fully embrace that you are now not in a position to build something scalable, right, or not, don't have the capital, don't have the access, and just accept and lean into and, like, fool yourself into thinking that building this agency is cool. So I actually had a Notion doc I built for myself once, which I called Gamifying Building an Agency, and I reworded all of the shit I had to do into, like, basically startup milestones to, um, to, like, more sort of fun Um, into, into, yeah, brainwash myself this is like a major
1: point which is yeah. which is already a hint towards your super advanced mindset by the way this is also cutting tying back to the intro if someone is listening up until this point Um <laughs> this is like what i mean with you being like such a formative person because you're already at 23 like have this super advanced mind which now thinks about gamifying this agency i totally resonate with this restlessness of like i need to come up with an idea by the way, reference back to the episode with, which will be released in the week in which we'll release your episode two with like Finn and Emil from Kappa. They actually tell us that they got their their prime idea. They had a couple of ideas and they got it from a fr- friend who runs a successful startup already. And they gave them the hypothesis. So like this entire like bottom up ideation, I think there's nothing harder. There's no harder task you can basically give yourself, right? To be like, okay, I will from my... Living room or whatever, I will come up with a <laughs> scalable idea for Airbnb. Yeah, okay, try it. <laughs> <laughs> so, anything long interruption here? Why? Because I I'm, I'm currently missing the point on um, this. This agency wasn't a flop, right? This was the Shopify agency, right?
0: Um. So so to to piece it together, actually. I think no, so what happened, what happened basically was I, I was running so many experiments all the time that I sometimes get confused what I did myself. Um, I, I did a various, various work. I didn't spec I like, I didn't specialize back then. And that would also be like advice I would give myself now to specialize earlier and just accept that, Hey, you're not in this for the fun, right? You're building something scalable you're going to delegate it, whatever. Um, so I did various projects and then still did like startup ideas on the side. Like I could go into those, but it's just been like, I would say like five other <laughs> small projects that I did. And then um, over the turn of the year, I wanted to build a conversion optimization agency. So like I landed on that because I felt like this is a better way to decouple my uh, time invested per hour from the money I earned, right? Like you can, depending on like how big of a company you attach yourself to, if you improve the conversion rate of Apple by 1%, you're fucking fabulously rich, right? Um, uh, compared to like just doing software work where you get built by the hour almost. So that's what I wanted to do. Got more into marketing over that time. I uh, also noticed this isn't for me. So like I worked with a couple of cool clients like um, PKW.de. It's like an auto trading site. Um, and then at the beginning of 2022, I said, okay, Nick, let's just build this agency now. Let's cash flow this. Um, let's also think about um, uh, getting employees in there. And was what was also very pivotal in like leveling up my learnings um, is the environment so I think like above all and this also led me to moving to SF now um, was the environment and so I decided to move from Munich to Berlin um, and like uh, go into that entrepreneurial network where I had a couple of friends so yeah um, arrived there in February 2022 so just to and then
1: um, just to get, yeah. get in here very quickly so you are running this agency with your friend right
0: yeah so so I was running this agency with like a him potentially being a partner, but then uh, at some point he noticed we noticed like he wouldn't like to do that um as long, and so we split ways mid twenty twenty one.
1: So you're so, making yeah. you're making money with this agency. You're not specialising. You're deciding to split. You're out of your studies, and then somehow yeah. you're like, okay, I want to focus now. I have to focus. and I want to focus, and then you decide to move to Berlin
0: yeah exactly so so um i noticed that my life um like my focus and like that wise zen 17 year old that i was once uh, i i kind of lost touch with him and i spent the entire year of 2021 if i would give it a title was like uh, would be like pain plus reflection equals progress right so like just a bunch of reflections started my reflection habit and routine then basically and uh I tried to find out like what the fuck did I do in 2017 that led to me leading a happy life right and being successful and so I reverse engineered that a bit and like reminded myself of being that person and started doing cold showers read a bunch of books and like really really pushed myself to then move to Berlin become a better person right and so what was it I started my
1: what was this essence like what was the magic recipe
0: What was the magic recipe? I would say, um, it's living by, actually living by principles, but not consciously back then. So it was leading a disciplined life, um, having consistency in my habits, right? Like doing, doing, um, things that are uncomfortable. Um, yeah, just being, being disciplined all in all and like, Going into that positive feedback loop of building discipline, being able to do more hard things, getting rewarded for these hard things and like shifting your dopamine system from consumption to production in a way and to, um, so yeah, being comfortable and happy with doing hard things. So like back then, I, 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 yeah, I did this sat training and like wrote like c++ code like for five hours it was like a nightmare uh debugging basically um but i was cool with it because like i didn't expose myself to as much stimulus so i think those are like some of the things that i'm now incorporating again and that i have back then meditation like all these things yeah
1: so you're moving to berlin you're like one thing yeah you have to go back more or less you have to get back into your system you go there and then you start the shopify agency
0: exactly so i i was freelancing back then and i was charging more and more um for my services and then um i figured hey i'm gonna bring on um i'm gonna bring on other freelancers and i would say that was my first peek into um proper Entrepreneurship as in building a company and getting in employees and like actually negotiating contracts, budgeting properly. And was like really, um, yeah, learning the ropes of that more of like, what, what does it mean to build an agency? Cause like the, the previous working student was like a undefined role. I don't fucking know. Right. <laughs> it's like uh, More of an experiment. So brought on these people and like at the, at the peak had like, um, five people. Um, working with me, um, a bunch of partners that I that I worked with and uh yeah, built Shopify stores for for like very really like great um direct to consumer startups like um, Holy Energy, um, which now uh raised a bunch of money. I think they raised like ten million or something. Um, uh, great like amazing founders, amazing people. And so yeah, I was working with them and the agency basically then turned all the way up to like I think 350k run rate, um, for, for like two, three months, um, until as was a repeating pattern, I decided to cut off my own leg <laughs> again and uh, say like, Hey, I'm going to do something else now. So you of course know what, what I'm, what I'm referring to here. Um, I still had the bug of wanting to build a software company. Right. And, um, I was sparring with my friends in Berlin there. Uh, Decided, like almost decided to jump on an opportunity to become CTO of a company in the green energy space in April, 2022. And that really instilled confidence again, because like it's been two years by then where I seriously thought of building a software company. And I thought, okay, maybe it's already time to go back. And so friends of mine told me about this amazing program called uh, Entrepreneur First, um, uh, which I then signed up for in June got accepted, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I was really, really excited about that back at the time, because I knew I was going to meet amazing people I wouldn't have access to. I was actually pretty excited to um, step back into, like, this venture, like, this thinking big world, um, the, the software world, right? So agency and e-commerce are, are all great, like, lifestyle, cash flow businesses, and there's, like, great entrepreneurs being made there. But I think especially for my character and like for my, um, genius zone, I'm not sure if you mentioned that already <laughs> on the, uh, on the podcast now, but like for my character, um, entrepreneur first, um, was, was, was the move, right. And so, yeah,
1: I, man, quick, uh, uh quick yeah. question here. Like let's, let's. Take this entire period from when you're 17 to basically now, now making this decision to go to EF, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: what's your source of inspiration? Because like to cut off a business, which makes like 350 K a year, you lead it and you have five employees. So you basically have the profits for yourself coming from a situation where you don't have anything, or of course you have something, you have a great family, however, like financially you didn't have a safety net or you didn't have an, a bachelor's degree or master's degree or whatever. Like, what inspiration do you have to have? What, like, or was it your characteristics of, like, being naive, as you put it? Like, what inspired you to take these leaps, to cut off this business where, like, 99% of the people would be like, man, they would sell their sell their parents for, for having a business like this?
0: Um, I think... I think what it comes down to is like curiosity, just curiosity, wanting to find things out and like, um, being, uh, feeling like I've, I've gotten the gist of something and I want to move on to the next thing, um, pretty quickly. So like, I felt like, okay, I know I can build an agency in some way. Like, I have to say like my, my agency wasn't like the most wildly successful, like crazy uh, money printer ever. It it was going in a very good direction and I had some uh, very, very good months. So could have definitely went on with that. But I felt like, Hey, I, I know this is on the table. This is not going to run away, right? So maybe the market dynamics change a bit, but yeah. And I, and, and like one mental model, uh, that I use a lot is, um, re- regret minimization. So like, if I look back if when I'm dying at some point, or like, if I look back, I don't know, in 10 years and i think to myself like what would i regret more having made i don't know a, a, this bunch of money like scaling the agency to 30 people and like doing something or uh like saying fuck it and like going to this like portal that we call ef right diving right in and then seeing what what happens right so um and, and especially like um being able to work on something that uh that yeah that, that's that's like Way more intriguing to me. Like, um, I'm not sure like how much I shared of this background, but like, I'm, I was a bit sad to like leave, um, my studies because I'm, I was, I actually wanted to figure out all of these things, right? Like, I wanted to learn these things in electrical engineering and I like being like around, uh, scientists and stuff. And I thought like, wow, oh my God, there's like biotech people and like physicists in EF. Like, I have to go there. Like, I, I have to, Go and find that out, and and um, yeah, I would say like regret minimization is like a big, uh, uh, yeah, a, a big razor for me. Where I'm like, and it's, and I feel like especially this also shapes your character because if you make the decision to stay put now, you're very likely to make the next decision like that also. But it, the same is true in the different in the different direction, right? Like if you make a bold decision. That's just who you become. You become a bold person, right? So, um, yeah. And, and the thing is, like, the dots connect in hindsight, right? So, uh, at the time, I also was, like, am I a bit loco here? My friends were also telling me, like, yeah, this sounds cool. But, like, especially after EF, when I did not raise a bunch of money but decided to go back into the pool, um, people were telling me, like, you have this thing going, what the fuck, what, what the fuck is wrong with you that you, <laughs> that you decided to stop. Um, so yeah, uh, but those were, those were like my motivations, I think.
1: Yeah. I have an interesting question here. And uh, before mm-hmm. we get into this rambling, how did EF find you?
0: Uh, EF found me through, uh,
1: through Dominic, um, Dominic
0: uh, is is a is a friend of a friend basically that I'm randomly met on a on a walk basically, um, and uh, my my other friend just so happened to 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 say like, hey Nick, share your frustrations or stuff like I I I confided in her like privately like all of this shit that's going on in my head. And I was like thinking, yeah, like I. I'm running this agency, but I really want to do something bigger and like, uh, I'm not sure what to do here. And she just told me like, yeah, tell him about this. And I was like, ah, I just met the guy. I'm not sure I want to bore him with like all of my life's worries, but I decided to do so anyways. And he was like, dude, have you ever heard of the Like that's a, that's a great program. And I, I haven't heard of it ever before. Um, I also didn't know antler. So like, I wasn't too much in the whole like startup accelerator space, like a new Y combinator, but I felt like that was such a stretch, um, and so far out, um, but yeah, that's how I heard of them. And I decided to just, I looked at them, I decided to apply and I actually didn't take it that seriously. So like at the time to that context, I was, I was on the Y Combinator, like co-founder matching platform, which is kind of like a Tinder for co-founders. Um, and I, I met a couple of people that actually also applied there. And so I, my perception of EF at first was like that. It's not even that great. So like they, they accepted me and I was thinking like, yeah, do I even want to do this? And then I watched like some of the talks, like some of the pitches that their founders um, had. And I think it was like just about getting accepted, like at the last stage. And I watched these talks and I was like, okay, no way I'm getting in. There's like, no way these people are way too smart. It's like, wow, what the fuck? And so I, I, only later, like, I, I just, like, whipped out the application, didn't think of it, and then only when I had the interview, I was like, oh, fuck, I really want to do this, I think. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad I got in, and um, that kicked off, basically. I got the notice in June, and then I knew, okay, fuck, I need to roll all of this off. <laughs> so, um, I, my my strongest months in the agency were, like, July and August, and September was basically when the program was starting. So I knew like, okay, Nick, you're going to be, uh, out in La La Land for another year, probably after that. So I knew I needed to build runway. And so I worked my ass off, um, during the summer, um, to, to, to make all that revenue basically. And, uh, it was good. I did that because like I, it turned out that I was going to cruise a bit longer on the, <laughs> on the runway that I made.
1: Yeah. And this story is incredible <laughs> like literally <from laughs> y- year after year you take one harder decision after another it's not only financially but it's also socially like the, the right the environments which you change so from munich in, and this degree and your environment there you drop out of the degree then you are basically on your own then you build this stuff doesn't work then you move from berlin from munich to berlin then you like build a friend circle of agency people in berlin Then you're like, cool, you're even quite successful, not quite, you're successful in there. And then you cut away those people. Like, of course you don't like say fuck you and I never want to see you again, but you're like, okay, cool. I think I've understood this world. Let's cut it again and let's go into EF, which is like this, again, totally new portal as we call it.
0: Mm. Yeah, man, EF was, was amazing. Like I... I spent two weeks, uh, and, and went to Portugal before that, and like really reflected deeply on like what I wanted to found or what I wouldn't want to found. And I figured out that if I'm going to raise money and I had a worse perception, I think of raising money back then, I thought you were going to like put on handcuffs and be like dragged off to like, uh, eight years in, in founder prison, right. If you decided to build the wrong thing, uh, and I learned it isn't that bad actually, but. um I thought, okay, if I'm going to do that, I want to do something stupidly um, ambitious and crazy, right? And so I, the uh, first thing I did was like chat up all the biotech people, like all these like synthetic biology, we're engineering organisms, like completely, um, local fields. I have no background at all in, right? None, none at all. And I decided I'm going to build software for these people. I'm going to build like the, Genome compiler, editor, whatever thing. I'm going to build it as beautiful as Notion is, um, because I saw all of their archaic tooling. And so I, yeah, I basically dove in there and went straight for these people, uh, talked with every single one before EF kicked off. Even I went out to like conferences. I DM'd the entirety of biotech Twitter basically. And I, I went into this field where I knew nobody, um, and pretty quickly, um, was talking to like some serious people there. Um, so that's just for you, like the, the, what would like excitement can do. And I think that was like the most, the most like viciously effective time I spent. I was like on fire. I was completely on fire there. It was like at the peak of my ability because I was just that excited. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I found somebody who was crazy enough um to to be my co-founder during that time in EF. Um, his name is Alex Stautl, great machine learning engineer, a lovely person. And um we interviewed like sixty people in biotech, sixty in two weeks, which is totally insane. Like I'm not sure how we did that. Um but the people there to to their um point are like very open, sharing, whatever, right? And so I went on this adventure. I thought like, okay, my friends were thinking like, what kind of psychosis does Nick have right now? <laughs> it's like, it's been whenever you, 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 you met Nick and you asked him like, what are you doing? It's like uh, above 80% chance it's going to be something wildly different. Right. And so yeah, BioTech was probably the peak logo for me. Um, but I'm very glad I did that. I'm, I'm very glad. And I met like, I learned a lot. Uh, I met great people in the end decided that. <laughs> might not be the right, uh, path, especially like the healthcare industry is very, works very differently. It's not about differentiating in product as much It's more like very old guard hierarchies and stuff. And so knowing, knowing me like this is not my environment. So yeah, uh, this was the biotech period. And then I worked with two more co-founders, um, uh, yeah, looked at some ideas in e-commerce, but all in all felt like, okay. These ideas are good, but they're not worth like strapping myself to a rocket now, right? Um, and so at that point, I I had this um, I was on Twitter because of biotech because all these people are on there, and then I discovered this community called um, called Indie Hackers, which is basically independent developers who take on the challenge of building a software business. A software product all on their own or like in a very small team bootstrap which was something i didn't see before and where i thought okay if you want to build a software business you have to raise venture funding right somehow that that paradigm was like um etched into my mind and i was like mind blown to see those people and i was like eagerly discovering what they did on twitter and i thought like wow nick you were made for this right you you, you hate authorities You you hate other, like, no, I, I don't, I don't hate collaborating with people. That's, that's, um, that's not right. But like, I i am comfortable doing stuff on my own also, and I don't have team experience. Right. So, um, it's like, you have to be in the intersection of development, marketing, you have to be scrappy, fast, all of these things perfect. I like doing. And so I thought, yeah, this perfect. is just perfect. Um, yeah. how did you, how you want to pay? just, just one
1: question, because I, I'm, I'm. I I think this layer would give us lots of value here. How do you regulate yourself emotionally, socially? Like what's happening psychologically in this time in Berlin? Because like EF is like, man, like we sometimes jokingly said, it's like running barefoot through hell, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like the people are like, oh, you have to found with this guy or like you have to break up because of this and that. And then you're building on building sometimes in Areas in which you would never probably found a company or something. So it can feel a bit like off uh, until you basically see who you actually are and where you go. I mean, for this, it's amazing, right? To just figure out, okay, who, who to cap- collaborate with, who not maybe doing something on your own, figure out markets, etc. But it's a very shaky time. And so you basically just mm-hmm. left all of the circles. So that, again, you're on your own. You know that you're burning your money now. Like, how do you, is regulation Self-regulation actually a topic or were you like, nah, I don't care. Like I have my routines. I'm in my 2017 prime state.
0: You pump iron, you pump iron. Um, you eat, you eat healthy. Um, (laughs) no, um, I, I think I'm okay with extremes also. Um, but I do have to say like EF was also a bit psychotic on some days. So, um, you do neglect like your, your friendships and stuff. And that's also a key learning for me to like. Keep a certain layer of like being social and being around people. Um, because yeah, you're in this for the long game, like, you don't have to like compress out every single bit. Um, anyways, that being said, like, what do I do to keep myself sane? I what did you do a lot?
1: What did you do in this phase?
0: Yeah, what I, what I did to keep myself sane, you yeah, mean?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 totally. So, so yeah, like, workouts, um then reading going to bed early meditating in the morning um i was reflecting yeah um i would say probably reflecting and trying to make sense of all of these rapid changes um is one of the key habits i I didn't have that much structure back then but i i basically used to create like whenever something bothered me or whenever i had a big problem to like think about or in front of me i would just like journal out right and journaling really um, helps uh, for me to think clearly and like to keep somewhat uh, of a sane mind. Um, but that being said, I I also let myself like fall into this uh, block of insanity. I, I do have to say like I yeah, probably most of my time I spent in the last five years, I was thinking, okay, I now just have to prove myself and really um, hunker down for these two months. And then it's going to be easier. Right. And I kept telling my family that I kept telling everybody that, right. All my friends was like, yeah, I can't see you right now. Cause like, I'm, I, this is like really important. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's basically been like that a lot of the time. So, um, yeah, but it, it worked out. Okay. It worked out. Okay. I wouldn't say like anything bad happened, but it's something, it's like callousing that you build, right? Like if you've, I wouldn't say you have to go through like all of the stress all at once. Like if you're just starting out, um, it's something that you build, right? And like now my co founder, Steven, um, I, I talked with him uh, also a lot about this. I think he's been, he's more calloused. He's been through even like much more um, like ups and downs and like roller coasters and incidents and whatever. And you just develop like a callousing, right? And like a, a resistance to that. And you're more, you're a more calm being. I think going through this. This is also why entrepreneurship is beautiful, because you learn a lot about handling other things as well. Because it's so extreme. Probably extreme sports also have the same.
1: Time. And Nick, to being a bit conscious of time, like what happens after EF? Like you, when when are you like Christmas approaches at EF at some point? You're like three months in. Yeah three months after such a, or in such an odyssey or such a strenuous program feel like eternity, right? So like Christmas is coming, you're probably driving home. What goes through your head and what do you do afterwards?
0: So, while I was on my psychotic um, biotech episode in, in EF, I said, fuck it, I'm going to America now and I'm going to people in person. So in November, I think I just booked flights. To, to San Francisco, like fly to San Francisco and then back from Boston. So the plan was like, spend two weeks in SF, meet all the biotech people, spend two weeks in Boston. And I was even thinking about getting a job in biotech because like I wanted to go there really badly. And to explain that um, in one sentence, if you tell a programmer, you can soon program cells, like you can program like a living thing that just does shit in, in the real world. Like that's pretty amazing. Not exactly the case, but that's what I thought basically. So booked these flights, and so I I knew I was going to the US, but I didn't know what the agenda would be. So I, I took some days to wind down over Christmas, but I still hadn't made the choice: Do I go all in in biotech? Do I start like an indie development career, basically, and like build these own little micro apps? And so I went home for Christmas um i broke my i broke my pinky and so that led to me spending new year's eve not partying but like sitting at home reflecting and so um this is actually deeper again um when i was in the program i wanted to interview nico who, who also mentored me um now in the, in the time afterwards and uh, nico told me to go write a eulogy Right. So um, basically, a eulogy is uh, when you die, the oration that is being read um, about who, who died there. Right. And so that was not what I wanted to hear, but it somehow stuck with me. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, at like right on New Year's Eve, I was with friends until 10 p.m. They went out clubbing. And so I went home by myself and I wrote my eulogy at like uh, midnight. And like I, I really gave me this film, you would say in in, in German, uh, this movie, and brainwashed myself, right? Brainwashed myself so hard, um, and and like um, yeah, my little sister has like a a, a little um, yeah, she basically has an illness. Um, it's it's not terminal, but it's pretty yeah, it's pretty uh, impairing. And I said I want to take accountability and like ownership of that, and about about making it better. And like I really built like this persona of myself and told myself like, dude, you are the one that's going to go out and go get it for the family. You're going to save her, right? You're going to make sure she's going to have kids. And so like, I really, really brainwashed myself, um, at midnight, uh, and said, okay, you're going to the US. You're going to go as hard as you can. Um, listen to uh, things like David Goggins, can't hurt me. It's like a book. Um, I can really recommend it if you want to go be a hardo <laughs> um but yeah i, I really leaned into that and so i took off to the us then and um yeah arrived in san francisco it was raining it was like it was it wasn't like the most fun experience i would say in the us but i still i reflected a fuck ton and i went out to these like iconic um Places for myself. I went to the computer history museum in in, in like San Francisco, in the Bay Area. I went to uh, Google, the Google HQ. I went to Stanford. I, I sat in on a lecture and like really wanted to take it in and like think about, okay, I want my kids to be here. Right. And, or like, I would have wanted to be here. And uh yeah, I, I would say like the, the entire time I spent in the U S was like brainwashing myself, especially like the first month. And then, um, yeah, I I actually decided I was not gonna do biotech. Um, by so like you half of my stay.
1: So you had yeah. already split up with Alex back then. So you split up with yeah. the co-founder for personal yeah, reasons, yeah. probably like not for market reasons. Apparently,
0: no, no, it was it was uh, it was market reasons inside of EF because we said like, hey. We only have this EF opportunity right now. And uh, if we decide to do biotech, we can also come back to it afterwards. Mm. And if some, if one of us finds something more sensible here, then, uh, it's also fine. So we both, we only work together for a month and then we both explored something different. So I explored something in e-commerce, like an ERP, new ERP system or something. <clears throat> I needed something else.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. And then you're in SF and then you're deciding to break up with biohacking.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I met the one guy that was like most influential and inspiring and had a really deep conversation with him of like what he thinks my shot at this would be and like what, what opportunity is there? And I noticed like, Hey, there's, it's, it's, there's not as much opportunity for a person like me there. And that's when I decided, Hey, I'm going to cancel my stay in Boston, flew out to LA, spent some time there and Then, yeah, another pivotal thing happened.
1: You know what's crazy Yeah, you wanted to say something? You know what's crazy? It's like, and I'm just being reminded of this. I think EF made you, or not only EF, EF EF kind of like accelerated this, like this radical making or breaking of assumptions, right? So you like, after a couple of weeks in biotech, you meet a top influential person in SF. That's impressive. That's super impressive. And then you have a convo with this person and you try to understand, basically, is it a thing I'm, I'm doing or not? Yeah. I just wanted to highlight this because it's also, also for us once we re-listen yeah. to this, right? There's just this emphasis on radical action. Radical action. This is actually also one thing which Finn and Emil mentioned about YC and Kappa.
0: Ah, interesting. Yeah, I have to, I have to listen to their episode. Um yeah. <clears throat> I would say EF was amazing schooling. Um, it was really amazing schooling, um, in, in all regards, in regards to how you validate ideas, how you, um, work together, how you assess a co-founder relationship. Maybe they broke us up a bit too early, but like, um, I would say the education was, uh, phenomenal and especially like etching into your brain. You want to kill the risky assumption. You don't want to validate all the things that are probably true. You want to kill. The one thing, or, or you, you want to kill the idea as fast as possible, basically, which is counterintuitive in a way. And so I did that with biotech. I gave myself an ultimatum. I said, like, hey, either I'm going all in and I go get a job or do whatever is necessary, or I kill this, right? And uh, I decided to kill it. And then, yeah, so basically, um, with, with with that little biotech episode out of the way, uh, I, I got back into AI, uh, something that I've been looking at, like, for the past I don't know three years and then very closely ever since gpt came out not chat gpt but like gpt3 which is two years prior to that um and we like played around in the playground and stuff and so i of course chat gpt happened in november before and so i thought okay uh this is also very 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 interesting and more um symbiotic uh to uh, what i knew as a programmer right And so I decided to, like, um, go pull myself into AI and already started working on that, like, late December, I would say, on some projects. Um, Yeah, and then spent time in LA. And wasn't that remarkable? I worked on some things, built, like, a little AI coach uh, where you would index somebody's entire transcripts and you could ask him any question and he would reply with the knowledge that he had and, like, those kind of little, like, projects. And then I met, um, yeah, I met a very key person now, <laughs> which is my now co-founder. So I I was sitting in a WeWork at, at 9 p.m. on a Sunday, um, just being a psycho, and uh, there was another psycho <laughs> sitting there. Um, so he had a pitch deck open, and I was just asking him like, "Hey, what are you? What are you doing? What are you building?" Um, and he introduced himself um, and, and told me about like his his company. Then, uh, which was something in cybersecurity, um, it's called Opal, and uh, yeah, he uh, he told me that uh, I should definitely go see New York before I fly back. I told him like, yeah, I don't know that many people, and uh, he he just he told me like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna show you around. And then a couple of days later, he texted me. By the way, you can crash at my room, and where I'm like, wow, this is something that wouldn't happen in Germany likely. Like the just uh, the kindness to strangers and also like the trust in a way and uh yeah then flew out to new york and spent an entire month there um which was also pretty formative and that was when we started working together right so um yeah uh, I, i flew over i asked you hey do you know anybody anybody cool and then uh you you said yeah but in return i'm gonna screen share and uh Pull you into the Excel spreadsheet of Doom, <laughs> and and that's where that's that's where the next psychosis started. So I thought I thought I was just about finished with the venture backed world. I thought I can now uh, finally close this down at peace and build a bootstrap business. And then Chrissy uh, comes along and like pulls me back in.
1: Yeah, so you met Andre, who you will also meet next week, I think, in New York. Right, he texted me. Uh yeah, correct. so I connect you with a couple of friends in New York. I think Andre and Krish I'm definitely recording, I'm hoping to record an episode with Chris and also takes it, Andre, let's see. And um great people. Yeah. Yeah. So then you meet them in, in NYC, you hang out there, and we start ideation, right? So I'm like, just to give some mm-hmm. background here, at this point in time, I'm like <laughs> I don't even know, was it February or January?
0: February, I think, February. Yeah, I've, I wasn't, I wasn't there until, until,
1: yeah, like, I think I misplayed some parts of EF, right? So I brought a co-founder already with me, um, to the program and then uh, who was also non- non-technical. So I just leaned into the technical people a bit too late. Like we also met very early and then just had one or two ideation circles, cycles with technical people. And so. By, by January, February, F is gone. I'm on my own and I'm still in my old paradigm of like, um, I need a techie. I need a technical person. If not, I cannot build venture back. Because like, for me, it's been less iterative than for you. For me, it's been like, I've been in this venture back world the entire time. So I'm like, man, there's one dude in the entire program. Or well, like there were, there were three dudes who I really liked, I think, or a couple of maybe, maybe even more, whatever, but like three techies with whom I really clicked. And like one of them was you. And I thought in the beginning, uh, Nick did e-commerce. So like, we probably cannot collab or something because I want to be a bit of tech. I don't know. And um, like great remark here, by the way, to, to myself, it's like. So, so a being very careful in first assessments because you're always assessing, on your prior experiences and on your limited knowledge and number two is like taking into account learning speed right because like your pace of learning I think is insane and so um, yeah anyways so February I'm there on my own and I'm like yeah fuck like you like there's legit maybe there's a there's some hope that that Nick is on the market and so yes like when you're reaching out I'm like this is a sign, for, sign from heaven, man. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, yo, bro, I'm fully ready. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Because I'm building up this conviction that it's legit just about starting, right? So that's why I've like, wait, once you reach out, I think I'm currently at this at this moment, I'm an antler. And an uh, antler to be fair, I think most of the techies or many of the techies were actually from EF. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm like, hmm. Uh, Yeah, I guess whatever. Yeah, I thought like Nick is an amazing dude, and uh, then I have all of the spreadsheets ready, and we go into full sales tech ideation. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that was that was amazing. I honestly like I learned a lot in ADF, but I felt like I I picked up on so much stuff where I was a bit resistant at first of like all of these frameworks. I was like, yeah, is this really efficient and like. it's not efficient but it's effective <laughs> we, we used to joke about this um, uh, yeah Chris told me uh, taught me a lot of like great great frameworks which I now also brought to this ideation um, so yeah I, I think it was a great mutual learning experiences we started out in venture and then I think after a month or something of uh, manic depression again um, I made I think I, I told you like, hey, either we're going into something that's like bootstrappable or like not this. I just wanted to like not keep doing, uh, this like, uh, unicorn hunting that we did. Um, or I'm going to go out, right? Uh, I'm going to leave. Uh, or I, I think I didn't have to put an ultimatum or stuff. I just told you and you were like, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Let's try that. Right. Um, but that was at least what I was thinking. Right. And so we decided to like pivot a bit to, a hybrid strategy we built like the Frankenstein basically of uh, maybe in the end like we're going to be a scalable Man, venture I, product I, but at first we start bootstrap it was like the most crazy as uh, like connecting the dots um, <laughs> board
1: <laughs> Man, like long story short we spent like one or two days fully in Miro probably or like a couple of remote sessions in Miro who's re- where, where we still have the recordings I think but then, once you mm-hmm. were in Berlin, I think then we iterated quite quickly. I don't remember what what kind of ultimatum or whether there was an ultimatum, which we said or what.
0: No, I just, I just, I, I just felt drained. I just felt drained uh, with the, because our idea was invalidated in a bit, and then I felt like I wanted to build a, an agency, but I knew you didn't want to do that at first. So I felt like okay. I'm just going to tell you what I want to do now, but I expected you to say, okay, it's no bueno. I want to build venture. Right. And then we kind of found a mix, but like in my head, I had this, like, uh, either that, or like, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: I think one thing which solved, solved the knot at some point was like just selling, right?
0: Yeah, totally. Just the pragmatism, just getting, getting a foot in the door.
1: Man, that's like, and this is where for me, at least like the paradigm flipped, right? Like, just do something which you can control. Like I'm from this, yeah, just sell, just pick up the phone.
0: I'm <laughs> from this like, university.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's a bit like Janis says in one of the episodes also. You, you probably didn't listen to it yet, right? Not no, no, I'm, no, I'm gonna. But Janis go tells ahead. this story that he like started at BlackRock sales, like derivative sales or whatever, portfolio management. And there was one hot phone. So like he was he was very young and it was like his first real job or something. Phone was ringing and Janis didn't want to pick it, pick it up. And then people were like, man, pick it up, pick it up. And Janis was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And like and then, of course, he picked it up. And then through doing this over and over again, he discovered his like skill and his like ambition in the sales area, even then went to Fireblocks, Google, Reddit, everything right and has become a seller like his identity is a tech sales guy. And um, I, I assume at least if I can say this, and I think this is a bit what also happened here. I mean, I've done sales before, but like this moment of like actually selling this and going away from all of these frameworks. Yes, the frameworks are beautiful and stuff, but like what's even more beautiful is when a person says I'm paying for this. And hmm. so like this was a, a, a yeah, learning for me breakthrough, yeah.
0: Yeah, and this basically kicked off the journey. I think for you, I, I feel like we we kind of like just synced our worldviews in a bit, right? We were coming like from yeah. two very different, different points. Like I had this very pragmatic, bottoms up, make money, um, like build a sustainable whatever small business, and you had this like prestigious, employed, like high roller adventure world right like of all these people with like long levers right um yeah. so so that was like a really fascinating uh thing to combine and so like i really enjoyed our our time there that we had together like learned a ton and then yeah i, I feel like we we ran with this we experimented a bit right Um you can also feel free to go ahead and, and like uh pick up from there uh the story whatever no, you, you want to tell
1: you can tell the story it's it's
0: yeah so, so basically, yeah, basically, we iterated through more versions, and we kind of made our way from something venture back purely to like this Frankenstein productized service, super complicated, I'm not sure if you know the meme, but there's like the the fifty i q guy, the hundred fifty i q guy, and then like we were in the in between zone in the struggling like fuck, oh my God, we need to build this complicated like scaled up uh, entry vehicle, and then later. And it's like, I don't know, uh, but, but it was fun. Um, and then we decided to turn pragmatism to, to the top. And then we decided to just sell a product that I built back in January, February. So we just started cold calling. Um, you started cold calling all of these transcription companies, um, transcription agencies. And we started plugging this product. And yeah, it was just a great overall time. And I feel like that was probably. Yeah, that was then right, right before our mastermind, right? So this was April then, April 2023. And then we had this pivotal, um, uh, mastermind session that, that in, uh, Nico invited me to. Um, and I said like, Hey, I'm working with this guy, Chris. He's really amazing. Can I tag him along? Right. And so we flew out to Crete, um, and spent 10 days there. Uh, Chris initially got sick. So I'm not sure you had COVID or something, right? Or like you you had some. No, I was some, ultra sick, ultra sick. Something bad, something bad in your system. I was like, oh fuck, crazy. Okay, he's not coming with me now. Um, but he he flew in then three days later, and there he got the full injection, I think, of uh, agency people. And I also feel like I learned, uh, I I, I got to know more high level agency people, I guess, or like more hardcore agency people that have been in it for like five years or something. Um, and so yeah, that was really exciting. But I would say the key takeaway from all of this time, and I think this is something that you actually can tell better, um, is the process of working with uh, Nico. And then also, uh, I, I would say, yeah, just just deciding that we were gonna not work together directly anymore. But they were gonna be in like a fighter jet co-pilot, we called it, like just um flying on the same altitude um uh, next to each other, right? And so I felt like that was the beauty I, I would say of create that and some of the impulses of like belief in yourself, working with systems, um and uh this this basically kicked off yeah, this beautiful journey that came afterwards. So like May, May first, I recall, we, we went back. And we, ever since then, we, we like, we continued to hang out. We saw each other basically all day. We were sparring each other's ideas. And like to this day, we, I think we basically have a complete download of like what the other person is currently faced with, the challenges. And this was like the most, um, yeah, the most intense, I would say entrepreneurial sparring that I had with somebody and also like live sparring um which was just very serendipitous right and this is also the the idea of a mastermind then like a very small one in a way of uh, like hey you put two minds together not even working on the same problem but it was almost all also like like being a so so yeah we had we had a great great time there yeah and Um, if
1: if we if we look into your your mind now how you operate how does it look like what are your markers like what is your maybe even what's what's changed from before the mastermind after the mastermind, if this has been a crucial point for you and mm-hmm. or like maybe the mastermind is even like the, the 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 when you call it sinking of our worlds right or sinking of the you understanding the v c world a bit better, and then also diving deeper with Steven at some point and still mm-hmm. also actually going deeper in the circle of control which is at least what I associate with the agency and bootstrapping world. Like how does your, if we, if we assume your mind is a living room, how does this living room look like? Like what kind of books are lying around? What kind of routines do you do? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I love, I love the analogy. So um, I would say the system that we took with us there was um, living by by your, I, I would say, like, the things that come naturally to you um, and designing a life around those. And then also, I would say, um, and this is very inspired by the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which I'm going to touch on in a bit. Um, just accepting that you are the creator, right? <clears throat> that you can shape what you're doing, that you can, like, listen deeply to yourself and find out, like, what's actually important to me. And then engineer your system of life around this, right? So like to design basically, uh, basically a game that you're playing, right? And so this is, this is all pretty vague, but, um, I would say I, I had this sense of intensity and like taking things just very seriously and like reading literature very deeply and discussing it with you also and developing the shared understanding of like what we want to do um which was really profound and which I didn't have in that intensity before so I think I've never done as much reflection and planning as in that time um uh, I recorded or we both recorded uh, a check in video a couple minutes and a check out video every single day for like 3 months or something and I still do the check out videos up until now um to this day um where I just do like a little roundup of the day right and um this just makes you very conscious of uh, what you actually want to do, what's actually important. Um, and uh, yeah, I cannot uh, like uh, emphasize the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey enough, like that, that reading that book, like basically three times now and really internalizing it was very important. And over this time, I, I built my own set of principles and, and values um, and also discuss them with you, reflect on them, Um, remind me so so like my my system right now like I have it is every day I I start my day with routines in the morning like cold shower all of the stuff and then I do daily planning and in my daily planning one of the first items is um, reading through my principles and then I take one principle that I focus on each week so just to give like a sense of what these principles are these are like be proactive right so um, identifying, uh, things that you, uh, yeah, that you basically should do in advance and like, uh, going to the other person. If there's something, um, you disagree with planning your week in advance, like all of these things are basically proactivity, one thing, right. Focusing on one thing. That's something you just help the book into the camera, um, where you're, you're, like, viciously asking yourself every single day, every single week, like, what of this actually matters? And if I can do only one thing each day, like, what is it, right, that I'm doing? And so um, this is basically, like, like, a set of principles that I try to inhale, that I reflect on, and that, yeah, it's just been very a very good set of guardrails, right? Um, and I feel like people act in a principled way already oftentimes but they don't realize it. And for me, what I noticed, like now that I've written them down, I can identify if I'm unhappy about something or if I don't feel good about something, it's maybe because I violated a principle, right? Because I didn't respect a principle. Like I, I didn't consistently go work out. That's why I'm feeling like sluggish or like more irritated, right? And so it you do constrain yourself in a way with this discipline, but discipline also like liberates you in a way. And so I would say this has actually been reconnecting with my 17 year old wise self, like fully now, uh, that I am, yeah, just taking these things seriously. And it's not like I walk around in, in my day, like being grim and stuff, right? I'm a very, uh, I don't t- take everything seriously, but just these core things, right? So that's kind of the paradigm where right? I've been, I've, I've taken the long, the long, the scenic route here, but, um, That's what I took away.
1: Has anything changed if you compare your current perception of the the lenses with which you look through the world to with which you've looked at the world one year ago when EF started? Exactly one year ago, by the way. Um,
0: I would say I've gained much more self-belief now um, just through working. With these bright people so before before i thought i was comparatively good at software for example compared to these agency people but then again i thought this is not the major league of software right and so i was always curious like can i live up to these people's expectations and standards right and being in ef like for the first time like validated me with, with people that were like truly remarkable like i had the biggest imposter syndrome going in. I was like, wow, like I, I just lucked out, right. That I got here. And then over time you start to notice like, Hey, you, you, you see like the value you also bring right to the table. And so that's definitely been something that, um, that changed and that I'm, yeah, I'm glad it happened. And, uh, besides that, um, I would say even more conviction in doing bold things and like, just going, yeah. For example, moving here, just, um, just putting things at stake, risking things and like, yeah, being aggressive with your choices and radical, right?
1: Nice. Hey, and now doing the full loop <coughs> and now doing the full loop, you started out as a hacker, if you haven't put this out there yet, this term, and you're mm-hmm. now moving into cybersecurity with Steven. Maybe like some mm-hmm. words on his background, some words on what you're doing, some words on where you envision to be in six, 12, 36 months. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, yeah, the, the, I, I met Stephen in that we work in, in LA, it was a very serendipitous uh, encounter and then uh, he phased out of his old company and uh, was visiting me in Berlin and we decided to go to a work trial, right? And so we wanted to figure out, hey, can we work together, um, which is like the most important pillar. And then we looked at, okay, what could we do together? And so at that time I was building um, I was building a, a sales tech software and we were like kind of thinking of, okay, which direction do we want to go in? But um, yeah, Steven, Steven built Opal before, uh, which is an uh, identity and access management software um and uh, has very very deep domain knowledge in cyber security um phenomenal entrepreneur um also great developer like he's a amazing like well-rounded um, person there um and yeah it just made sense to me like to a reconnect with that and be um i i think i buy a lot of the value prop of like why you would want to build Enterprise software, like B two B enterprise software, is always something that interested me, and then also why you would like to to do a, a security angle, basically, and started like um, seeing these security products not as being dull or or something, um, but also looking at Steven's product and other um, uh, at the landscape in general. I, I noticed that okay, this is a great category, right? So yeah, we decided to start ideating and and looking at um, vectors in in cybersecurity. Um, I can't give away too much right now of what we're doing. Um, unfortunately, but, um, yeah, I can just say that, um, I'm, I'm super excited to, to go on this journey. What we're doing is, um, thinking AI first, basically. So like I've gone like really deep into all of this amazing stuff that's happening with, um, these, these machines that build the machine now, right? Like the, the whole paradigm of software engineering is changing right now um, the, the team sizes that you need for certain things, the type of types of engineers, the types of considerations that you have, all of this is changing. And I think like, this is like now, just like the internet, one of the most like, um, times with the greatest opportunity to go build a company and we we have the privilege of building something from scratch now to rethink like a lot of these things. So, um, I would say, where would I like to be in six months? Um, I set a new one thing for myself, <laughs> which I I want to re-engineer, but um, it's like getting to a million in ARR um, asap. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's very simple. Like we, I I want to build a sustaining uh, business. I want to uh, innovate on the way uh, we ship software, right? Uh, I want to build a really killer team. Um, I want to connect with a lot of amazing people here. Uh, last night I just signed up for like I think. 10 AI events or something here or uh, for the next two weeks. Um, already been to one uh, from Andreessen Horowitz on Wednesday or something or Thursday. And yeah, just the quality of people here. Like I, I feel so much conviction in the move of going to San Francisco here and uh, just being here, trying my best, right, building this company. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about that.
1: Man, you've been so formative on how I perceive myself, my skill set, my, where I can go and why, because you've basically given me a tech injection, like a baby tech injection, of course, like I still don't write code, et cetera. I know that you've basically given friend of yours, a, friends of yours, other friends, a real tech injection who actually like have run their own companies, write their own code, successfully ship it and sell it. But like you've given a baby injection to me. And this is also part, and you've basically shifted my view on this entire future of work now, influenced me on like how my narrative and what I'm building is and what I'm providing basically to the world is is influenced. What's your worldview on future of work and how is like you, for instance, just to give one nugget here already in advance, it's like for a long time you ran around and you were like singularity is just around the corner.
0: <laughs> I think that, you will, you will have like new roles of, 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 of building like a new generation of machines, basically. So just how you built, like there, there were people sewing clothes back then. You then had people who built the sewing machines and then the machines sewed the clothes, right? And like our economy prospered a lot from that and the jobs got better and better and better. And I think what will happen now as well is that we, we'll have a new generation of machines to build that then execute on things that are maybe a bit boring for humans. Right. So I think the quality of jobs that people have at the satisfaction of jobs and like how, how much each individual can really do what they want instead of doing just something to earn money, uh, will be, um, will be amazing. And like, I'm not sure like if we're going to have a long takeoff until like AGI, and, and artificial general intelligence, super intelligence, like takes over, doesn't really matter. But like, I'm I'm such an optimist in that our lives will get better, the jobs we're doing will get better, all these um, poor analysts in finance won't have to do as much uh, shitty Excel copy pasting. Po- I don't think I don't think it's it's horrible necessarily. I just think that um, you won't have to do as much shitty work, and mm. that is. Um, that accounts for everybody because like there's probably lots of things that these people in finance do as well that are amazing and that are fun and i think they will get to do more of these right and so i believe we will just like uh continue to just elevate um our standard of living um i think that cost will come down of like our goods so i'm like super optimistic that energy price will go down like no, no clue on when and if fusion will happen like there's all of these things but um, I think we have so many things going on right now that are just make me so bullish on, on the future. Um, one of those things that I, that I also shared is like, look at China and, and India. Like, they basically came online, and I don't want to be wrong here, but uh, we just had a couple hundred million Europeans and Americans before. Uh, a fraction of them are academic, and you have all of these like hyper disciplined trained like Indian Chinese people that just came online like 10 years ago, 20 years ago or something. Uh, and now they have the internet to like not all work on the same thing. So I think we're going to solve so many things in like medicine, in, in, uh, energy, computing that we're just going to live in a world full of abundance and it's not going to be recognizable probably. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm very bullish on on the future. Uh, I'm I'm very excited because I think we're living in probably the most exciting timeline. Because yeah, I mean we we grew up almost pre-internet or pre it being a thing. Like it was just coming along for you. I mean, of course you're older, but even for me, like I I played Legos in my childhood and all these things. And now you have these like frontier. AI models, amazingness happening. we can engineer cells. like you can you'll be able to fix like so many illnesses just by like reprogramming the anomalies in your body, right? So yeah, I, I could just rant on about this, but I think this is the most amazing timeline you can live in. So uh, yeah, so much excitement and like exponential takeoff. Maybe uh, accelerate. Maybe, <laughs> let let yeah.
1: me bring the classical double T here again which I'm slowly establishing throughout the podcast, the tangible takeaways. What are the mm. tangible takeaways for non-techies here?
0: I think that everybody can be a programmer in a way and everybody can leverage um, a machine to help themselves do a certain job. So right now is the time to, I think, uh, be curious and like believe in your abilities to go Use a computer, go use AI, right? Like have GPT be your little buddy. Like that's also what I told you. You, you gotta use it every day. You need to use it every day. You need to ask it even the stupid questions. So you develop like an understanding for it. And I think that way you will, um, you will be able to differentiate a lot, right? So like eventually we end up in this serendipitous paradise of abundance, right? But I think right now we still have a couple of years where you can really like, distinguish yourself through working with this new tech, right? And so I think that's accessible to everybody. That's even more accessible than ever before. Um, it's not being gated, so go go use it, I would say. And then, yeah, let me think. Is there another tangible takeaway on the future of work? Um, uh, feel free to spar this with me. I mean, you're like, living out the mobility, tips, right?
1: I always mention the mobility and you're living it out. Like Yanis, also, who I interviewed, right? Like he's moving depending on which company offers hybrid, remote. He's worked for Tel Aviv, for New York. Like he's just now he's in Amsterdam, was before in Berlin, the, whatever. Like he's just moving. You're like, you just moved literally like one week ago from Berlin to San Francisco. So, like the mobility aspect played, at least it doesn't also seem to be a con- restraining variable in your head. So you're like, already living in this paradigm, right? So
0: I would think that, um, the environment for me has been like such a decisive factor. And I think it's a spectrum of like what you want to do, like how much you want to save your life, how much you want to invest in development in a way, I think you can have both, right. But, um, I think for me, just like moving to a city, to a bigger city, um, has been, has changed me so much. Like moving from Munich to Berlin, uh, unlocked so many, like, much more textured characters. And I'm not just talking about entrepreneurs and, like, personal development, right? I'm talking about people who've been, like, uh, just, like, so, such, like, great friendships, people who are, like, very, very spiritual, like, all of these things. So I would say, um, yeah, if, if you haven't lived in a big city, um, go try it. Like, that's been a game changer for me. And um, other than that, I think, yeah, if you're, if you're able to work remotely, um, I, I would have loved, honestly, I would have loved to go travel around. I already had an itinerary of, I don't know, Buenos Aires and all these things um I wanted to go see. So I think um there's like a great, um, like the individual and like being able to freelance on your own terms is being like empowered by so much that um a lot of people can start these careers right um go look up indie hacking if you're technical there's like so many uh friends that i now have that that are pursuing this path of not building a venture back company but like something on their own and then for the non-technical people there's like s- such an abundance of like freelance opportunities whether that's um whether you're doing like uh Ad ops, for example, right? Doesn't sound like the most exciting thing, but there's people configuring an analytics tool, which is something you can literally learn in a one month course that make a hundred per, per hour or something, right? You can just go do that. Like it's, it's, it's all accessible and there's like such a multitude of things to do there. There's like great resources, courses. Um, I believe in coaching a lot. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, all of this is up for grabs. If you're, right now in a job you're thinking about like doing something on your own I think there it has not there hasn't been an easier time to go listen to I don't know Alex Romosi, um go go buy a course on like how to build an agency in XYZ and of course like you should go ask around like which ones are actually good there's like coaches and coaches right but um I think yeah we, we also have it this like in first-hand experience I think Garrett um a friend of ours also um is, is now in like a program and he's now kicking off uh, also a, an AI agency basically with an entirely new skill set I think that's also awesome an exciting development right like there's there's a set of skills that no machine learning engineer has no full stack engineer has like no no like regular programmer has which is like interacting with this machine right like prompt engineering in a way but also like just learning the ropes of all of this consulting there I think there's like so much opportunity now that you that's just out there for grabs and um uh, just being a specialist in these new paradigms in AI in your field whether it's medicine whether it's um HR whatever just I think a good idea yeah
1: yeah amazing just one last comment on on this here I think there's plenty of points you hit home One thing which you've been doing stellarly is identify and build micro communities around whatever is your interest right now. So you're like a pure, although you would never say you're a community builder, I think you are. You're like one of the most real and like, you're just doing it, not from the storytelling or whatever angle or like building scalable communities, but communities to surround yourself in order to level up. Um, So I think you've been doing this Uh, insanely good um hey all right nick then let's let's um i mean there's there's been lots of advice like i would have just now asked you what advice would you give your younger self but i would rather do something else and say what do you want your older self to tell you in like 10 years or what do you what what conversation do you want to be able to have with your older self and still look look the older nick in the eye and be like yo
0: Yeah. There's a, there's a great saying, uh, like a great, great quote. I read, there's only two people you need to, um, make proud in your life. Your eight year old self and your 80 year old self. Right. So you're like fulfilling the inner child. And then also being able to look back and like have no regrets. So I would say, uh, to me, like, since I'm, since I'm on a path where I like, Try to push myself a lot. Uh, I would tell myself like uh, the journey is the reward, right? Like enjoy the ride, and also like allow yourself to live in the moment. Like maybe be ten percent slower or something, but um, arrive like feel into things, right? Um, give give relationships more weight. Um, so I think that would be something that I might regret, right? Like if I just Rush through these, uh, through these steps, right? I, 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 that's what I've been doing kind of like right? I've all my stops that I had were like very short lived. And I think that's been good in a way, but I hope that I can somewhat at least like enjoy and settle as well. And I think that's like for everybody who's pushing really hard, um, that's listening. I think that's also something that's great to be reminded about, right?
1: hey but i think this is already a beautiful end Uh, i'm very happy to be able to count you to my close friends uh thank you very much for your two hours in of your morning over here and uh ultra happy to have recorded this we'll just now check to make sure that it's clean Uh, this is like super this is amazing
0: yeah uh, i i share this
1: yeah um so yeah super grateful for for having you as a friend and like this has been super fun Thanks for listening to Nonlinear. If you like the content, subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter. That's at IamKrishi3, 3 as 3 the number and Krishi with S-C-H-I. Reach out on any of the platforms if you have comments, questions or just want to chat.